Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Fantasy Sports Today on the Monday after week six. Dane Martinez in the main chair, Mike Blewett. Is uh, going to be back with us tomorrow, but on Monday what we do is me and the king, Scott Angle, we take two hours to go through and process everything we saw from the big old Sunday slate of the week that was. And so that's what we're doing here. Listen, if you want to get our take on many of the early games, some of the injuries, some of the biggest headline takeaways, including that Sunday night football game that not only went over a total of 60, not only would have gone over a total of 70, but would have gone over a total of 80, be sure to uh, download and subscribe to Roto Experts in the morning. But it is Dane Martinez and the King, Scott Angle. Scotty, how you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Exciting game last night. Uh, most fun I had watching football all day, uh, you know, with my team not playing. Uh, just lots of fun offense. And uh doesn't look like defense is going to win championships anymore. It's true. Let me ask you this, Scotty, to that point. And I've been saying this, Scott. I said it at the beginning of the season. I said that things like these penalties may uh, interrupt the viewing experience and may – Uh, compromise that for fans what if the biggest impact is not like that fan viewing experience but just like you said this idea of all these games going over because we keep on seeing penalties left and right the roughing the passers the pass interferences it seems like there's a lot of opportunities for drives to be extended because of penalty and ultimately then points to be scored we're seeing you were making this point the last hour there is no such thing as a dominant defense in the nfl the jacksonville jaguars got 40 put up on them the bears gave up over 30 yesterday to brock osweiler it seems like you know any defense is playing against the offense and the refs and like you know just society wanting points to be scored yeah it's uh you know you look at the bears and the jaguars and people were thinking that they were every week's dreams uh there are no every you know, uh, not every week streams, every week plays where you can set it and forget it. People love to have the defenses like the Seahawks of like 2012 to 2015 and set it and forget it. They don't exist anymore. Negative one points for both both squads yesterday. Yeah, and I'm looking at some of the picks that we've been making throughout the season, you know, picking this Sunday night football game under. Scotty, you picked the Chicago-Miami game to go under. Last week, picked New England Indy to go under. Uh, Blewett has picked Minnesota and the Rams to go under. It didn't. You know, Tim... Pittsburgh-Tampa Bay did not go under. All these games have huge totals in the mid to high 50s, and they're going over even that. I think it's absolutely crazy, Scott. One of these games that did, you know, was expected to have a lot of production and did have a lot of production 
with the Pittsburgh Steelers going into Cincinnati and beating the Bengals 28-21 in a big-time uh, AFC North game. The AFC North is now a very interesting division, in my opinion. The Bengals fall to 4-2. and two. The Ravens win to get to 5-2. and two. Cleveland is still around there with that tie, but the Pittsburgh Steelers now, maybe they've gotten through their kind of uh, stressful times. Word on the street is that a certain all-pro running back may walk into the facility sometime this week. The Steelers, through all their trials and tribulations, are 3-2-1. and one. Ben Roethlisberger throws for another 369 yards. Antonio Brown and Juju Smith-Schuster go over 100 yards receiving. James Conner, 111 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. And that tight end, Vance McDonald, who we've been talking about early, still is a part of this passing game. That I don't know, you know, everyone's talking about the fall of the Steelers. Steelers still look loaded to me, and this one was on the road where everybody, where Big Ben's supposed to be bad. They still look decent to me, Scotty. Yeah, there was a narrative about him being bad, especially in road one o'clock games. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, look, he only threw, uh, I believe he only threw one touchdown pass, but still. Only one touchdown, was, 369 yeah, still, yards, though. Yeah, but still the numbers were pretty darn good overall. Uh, you can't complain about it. Antonio Brown with a big day. Uh, and the and the clutch catch and Juju. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. God bless uh, you, Juju, Juju Smith Schuster. Seven for one eleven. Couldn't even hit the mute button. It's a time there. Sorry about That's okay. that. Uh, Juju Juju Smith Schuster. Uh, you know, with just like spectacular catch uh, that that everybody's talking about today. And he he continues to get it done. Uh, and I, I have so much fun watching Vince McDonald. I, yeah. I, I really do. I really do. <laughs> this guy just knocks people off of him. He had seven catches for almost 70 yards. Just yep. uh, he, he even shed Burflicked off him at one point. So the Steelers right now, you know, you talk about a fantasy herd. They're a fantasy herd where yeah. a lot of guys are just productive right now. They're like the high-end herd, more like the Rams. You know what I mean? Like, there's the high-end herd that you want a piece of all of them. Smith-Schuster performing like a you know a high-end wideout two. Antonio Brown, certainly a wideout one. In these day and age of tight end, Vance McDonald has to be considered every single week. And then we have James Conner. Scotty, I've been saying, obviously the Steelers have their bye. Okay, so we know that next week. My point has been this, that when Lev Bell comes back, despite the fact that the Steelers have been a one-back system for a very long time, you know, we're hearing reports, Big Ben said it himself last week, James Conner does not just fade away into oblivion when Lev Bell comes back. Even at the, at the podium, after the game, Big Ben made a little joke. He's like, oh, you know, I'm glad James Conner was able to do a, have a good game in his last game ever, because we all know Lev's coming back. They're laughing at this as though they know James Conner is going to have a role when Lev Bell comes back. We got to spin this forward and talk about it, Scott, because we expect Le'Veon Bell back, even though the Steelers, Mike Tomlin hasn't heard anything. How do you play specifically James Conner moving forward? I'm telling everybody, all my followers, all my listeners, Stats Overbeat Cypher, that James Conner will retain some value even when Lev Bell returns. Am I crazy to still think that James Conner is a, a viable, I don't know, flex play at the very least, even with Lev Bell there? Uh, I, I think conceptually it makes a lot of sense, but we have to see how the, this works out. I would think in week eight that James Conner's still going to get a lot of the work because Le'Veon Bell has missed the entire preseason 
and basically half of the season at this point. What kind of condition is he in? What kind of game condition is he in? I don't care how hard you work out on your own. You know, we've talked about this right. with Dr. A, too. You know, the speed of the game, et cetera, uh, it's, it's, it's just very hard to catch up with, and guys become injury risk. People were asking me yesterday in the exclusive edge Slack chat, in the exclusive edge in-season package on rotoexperts.com, I can't trade Connor. What do I do with him now? I said, well, worry about it this week because you don't know what happens. You know, Le'Veon Bell could come back in week nine and he can, you know, he could suffer an injury. So, you know, worry worry more about the short term. You don't know what's going to change between now and week 10, week 11, who's going to get hurt, et cetera, you know, how things are going to change. So, uh, look, you know, this is why I traded Le'Veon Bell for Sony Michelle two weeks ago because you just didn't know what was going to happen. Do we know for sure that Le'Veon Bell is, is even coming back for sure? We don't know that for sure. We, I think we strongly believe that. But, you know, both these right. guys are going to have a role because the Steelers believe they have two top-level running backs here, and it's going to drive fantasy players crazy. And if you drafted Le'Veon Bell, you may have spent a top, uh, a top overall pick on a flex. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be quite honest, there's a number of other guys. <laughs> you know, you could have spent your number one pick overall on David Johnson, and you and it winds up being a flex. You could have spent your number one overall pick on Leonard Fournette, and we are now calling it, quote-unquote, the potential for a lost season there. So it does happen, unfortunately. Scotty, on the Bengals' side, listen, A.J. Green gets his seven catches, 85 yards. He'll take the 15 PPR points. But I want to talk about Tyler Boyd. This is a guy that we have been on for the last month, Scotty. We he said all the way back in, I think, like week two or three, that finally Tyler Boyd has the uh, ability to be the real number two opposite A.J. Green, the likes we haven't seen since Mohamed Sanu. Now John Ross is pretty much again injured and faded away. This is T.J. Boyd, and it looks like C.J. Uzma is the tight end to replace Eifert over Tyler Croft, right? Yeah, Uzma had a decent day. It was 11 PPR points. Uh, yesterday, it. and and they say, look, when you can get that kind of volume outside the twenty, you know that's yeah. that's very very good and encouraging because he's going to look look a lot for Zuma in the red zone. Yep, absolutely. Let's go to a, the last one o'clock game that I want to talk about here, Scotty. Houston Texans, they get a win to go to three and three. They beat the hapless Bills twenty to thirteen. Scotty. Josh Allen does not finish this game, okay? He gets banged up. I believe it is an elbow, and Nate Peterman comes comes in and promptly throws two interceptions, one of them being a pick six that was the working margin for the Houston Texans. But, Scott, I got I, I to gotta say, I continue to be worried about Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, 177 yards through the air, one touchdown, two interceptions. But, Scotty, Deshaun Watson was also sacked seven times times yesterday I, I i don't know how else to say it we've been he comes into the game questionable with like a rib issue people were speculating there were wild news reports out there that may, he may be dealing with some kind of uh lung issue um there's a lot of buzz about around deshaun watson and honestly scott this season is not even halfway through for the houston texans they have played six games so far i i would Honestly, Scott, if I was a Deshaun Watson owner, I might look to flip him. I I, I do not think Deshaun Watson is going to make the season, Scott. 
Yeah, but it's hard to flip him because I know. everybody else knows what you're going to talk about. You're, yeah, but there's some owner out there that's like, oh, Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I'll take him. Oh, my God. Yeah. Look at the potential. I, didn't, I said hard, not impossible. Okay. You know, I've seen I've seen some wild trades go th- go through. Uh, I think we talked about one of them on Twitter. Well, actually, I think on Chris Mitchell did where he said he was embarrassed actually for the other teams in the in the league <laughs> for like you know because it went through. So you can try to. It's going to be difficult for two reasons. Number one, everybody else will likely know the problems. Yeah. Second off, it's very very hard to move a quarterback in a trade. Uh, although I did try to make make a deal to get Patrick Mahomes. I traded Juju Smith-Schuster to get Patrick Mahomes over the weekend and uh, so, because my, my receiver core was loaded. But, you know, right. the, the, thing with, the thing with Watson, two rushes for two yards, inside injuries was very, very concerned about him. Uh, you know, it's it's a chest and a lung right now, and that offensive line is just getting him battered. Yeah, that's absolutely the case. Maybe they didn't roll him out like that game against Dallas so he doesn't get clocked multiple times by linebackers on the two-yard line. But honestly, I, 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 you know, it started this year, Sky, with me being like, yo, telling you the offensive line was going to be a problem, that we were worried about the Deshaun Watson regression. Now, honestly, it's not even about, like, your call or my call. I'm legitimately concerned for this guy, you know, and he's not going to come out. You know what I mean? Uh, but I, I think this season, unfortunately, just like his rookie season, is going to end with Deshaun Watson on the IR. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm literally recommending that people need to start considering what they can get in trade because you are not going to have Deshaun Watson in the fantasy playoffs. But you know who you will have likely is DeAndre Hopkins. He has another touchdown catch, a nice grab going over his back shoulder, you know, adjusting midair to get this done. But if Deshaun Watson's getting pounded, there's only 177 yards in the air. Hopkins has 63. And then, listen, Will Fuller, only two for 33. Kiki Kuti, who everybody loves, only three for 33. The running game still not much to speak of. Lamar Miller or Alfred Blue, both of them getting only like, what, three, three and a half yards a carry. Neither one of them can get over 50 yards. Yeah, you know Hopkins is going to get his no matter what because he's just a target monster and he's uncoverable pretty much. And, uh, you know, with QT, he's a number three wide receiver and a lot of his passes are catch caught in the short range. So I don't think you can rely on it every week. He's a wide receiver four. And Fuller, I don't think, is 100% because, you know, he's just not pulling off these big plays. But it's also hard to pull off big plays, you know, when your quarterback doesn't have enough time to throw. Yeah, absolutely. On the other side of things, we know this already. LaShawn McCoy actually had a representative outing, 16 carries for 73 yards, another 21 in the pass game. So you'll take the 13 PPR points from Shady McCoy, even though he does not get into the end zone. It is Zay Jones who gets into the end zone for the Buffalo Bills as Nate Peterman does throw one touchdown pass. However, he threw two, he threw two picks. So, Scott, let's spin it forward. I remember when I told you uh, that one of my long-term dynasty leagues, what I'm doing Doing is like streaming two defenses and getting ahead of it, right? Well, one of the things I did in that team in that team was previous to this week, I looked at the matchups for not this week, but for week seven, and the Buffalo Bills go into Indianapolis. And so I picked the Indianapolis Colts. Are we gonna are we gonna see the Colts as a streaming defense this week, whether it's Allen or Peterman under center for Buffalo? You know what? I, I have a better I have a better way of I found out of you know, stride, stream of defense. Not that that's not bad, 
But I yeah, think yeah. I think you want to base it on sacks and turnovers, and there will be sacks and turnovers. I use yeah. a daily roto lineup optimizer, and I just sort by defense. And yeah. whoever they, they, they pretty much have ranked. Just like, with them. I started the Jets defense yesterday because yeah, they were buddy. the best available they had. And it got me Pick 13 real early. points. It's, yep. it's, really not, it's really not about uh, – it's really not always about the points allowed. Right. Because the Jets gave up 32 points, but they still had mm-hmm. 13 points for me in one league and 10 in another. Yeah, they absolutely did. They got a pick six early in the game. They uh, picked off Andrew Luck a few times, got a fumble recovery as well, and brought some pressure. You talk about the lineup optimizer, Scotty. I want to let people know that the DailyRoto.com NBA lineup optimizer is now available. That means you can use the same tools and projections that DailyRoto.com NFL premium subscribers are using. And you could use that for NBA DFS, DFS contest, which will tip off with the NBA season this week. You've heard about the optimizer. You've heard about the seven millionaires that have been produced over at DailyRoto.com. You've heard about Colin Drew, who goes back-to-back winning thousands of dollars, okay? So right now, honestly, if you're not using DailyRoto and their tools and their optimizers, you are doing it wrong. You are at a competitive disadvantage. So go on over to DailyRoto.com, click on Go Premium, and enter the promo tab, enter the promo code fantasy fntsy for a special discount you can start winning today that's dailyroto.com click on the go premium tab enter the promo code fntsy for a special discount scotty uh you talk about how the cowboys are like the worst wide receiving core in the nfl I think I'd rather have Cole Beasley than Kelvin Benjamin at this point. I don't know. I mean, like Kelvin Benjamin, two for 43. We know that the quarterback play there does not help things out. But this Buffalo offense, especially in the passing game, is nothing to write home about. Kelvin Benjamin, two for 43. You know, you get Charles Clay with 20 yards. Zay Jones gets the touchdown catch. But uh, are you starting any Buffalo Bills wide receivers next week, even against the Indianapolis Colts secondary? I don't. I don't even. You don't even roster these guys. It's. It's. It's not a conversation. Well, you do roster Cole Beasley, but I guess we could have a fun argument about Buffalo versus Dallas. But yeah, uh, Dallas has a better quarterbacking situation. Right. Uh, I. W- I wonder if, if if Dak Prescott had Kelvin Benjamin and Zay Jones, would things be a little bit of a better outlook? That's interesting. We can talk about that because on the other side of the break, we will get into one of the most surprising games of the day as the Dallas Cowboys dump truck the Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll talk about it when we come back. If you want to holler at us, the number to call is 844-843-6879. Dane and Scott on Fantasy Sports Today. Come on back after the break. There's only one place to listen to the best fantasy advice, and that's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. By downloading the FNTSY Radio Network app, you'll be blessed with having the top fantasy experts right in your pocket. You'll get award-winning and entertaining programs like the Roto Experts. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. Fantasy best friends forever. Yo! Carton and friends. Yeah, buddy! And so much more. You feel what I'm saying? Download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app now and take the most trusted fantasy experts with you wherever you go. Hold it now. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today right here 
on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, spitting statistician Dane Martinez and El Rey de Fantasia, the king, Scott Angle, here to hold you down. Listen, on Mondays, what we do is we take two hours, Roto Experts in the Morning and Fantasy Sports Today, to go ahead and reflect on everything that happened. Our guy Mike Blewett, who, by the way, is dominating every league that he is in. Big shout-out to Mike Blewett, who continues to roll. He was in first place Scott, in the Scotty Fishbowl League, out of 900 teams, I'm on a team with him. I see him in other leagues that I'm competing against him. Mike Blewett's teams continue to roll. That's why you want our insight here on a daily basis, whether it is Mike Blewett, who's dominating the fantasy world this year, whether it is the king, Scott Angle, El Rey de Fantasia, who has decades in this game and has all incredible content in the Roto Experts exclusive edge in-season package, and then you get the spitting statistician as well and listen i ain't too bad myself if you've been listening to me you'd have guys like sony michelle you'd have guys like vance mcdonald on your roster that'll be helping you win your leagues and win that cash scotty i also gotta let people know that if you are tired of professionals using algorithms, if you're tired of late scratches, if you're tired of multiple lineups, then try the Props Builder tool over at mybookie.ag. Invest in the players that you want without salary caps. And if you sign up for a new account using the promo code FNTSY, you can receive a 50% deposit bonus. No more late scratches. No more experts to compete against like Mike Blewett, for God's sakes, and Colin Drew. Just you and the prop that you choose. Go to mybookie.ag, enter the promo code F-N-T-S-Y and uh, start using that props builder tool over there at mybookie.ag. Scotty, one of the things you have been saying today is that there is no dominant defense anymore, right? I, however, will submit the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens sacked Marcus Mariota 11 times yesterday, shut them out in Tennessee. Something, you know, we talk about, you know, everyone's going to say, oh, it's just the Tennessee Titans. But these are the same Tennessee Titans that beat the defending champion Eagles at home, that beat the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, that wanted respect, then go up and lay an egg up in Buffalo, but are still, you know, one of the teams to be considered in the NFC South, and they get shut out. By the Baltimore Ravens, Marcus Mariota only 117 yards passing, and he is their leading rusher with only 25 yards. Derrick Henry, 21 yards rushing. Deion Lewis, only 9 yards rushing, only 5 yards in the air. You throw this one out, I imagine, if you have any Titan skill players, but kudos to the Ravens' defense. Definitely, maybe not the closest thing that we have. In week two, though, they still gave up 34 points in the loss to the Bengals. But sure. you know, holding the Steelers to 14 points was pretty impressive. And uh, you know, then the shutout yesterday, uh, you know, they're they're playing well. You know, it's like I talk about has been franchises. You know, mm-hmm. the Raiders are a has been franchise, the toughest team uh, in the NFL, I believe, over the last franchise over the last three decades or so, two or two plus is has been the Ravens. You know, it's a hallmark of the team. You know, that they play good defense. Uh, you know, the Browns are just very disappointing, as we talked about. Offensively, though, you know, it, what was very encouraging was Alex Collins getting two rushing touchdowns and him yes. being the featured guy at the goal line again yesterday. 
Yeah, and to my knowledge, he didn't fumble at all, right? Alex Collins nope. did not put the ball on the ground yesterday. 19 carries, 54 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, not not anything in the receiving game. But listen, here's the funny part. And this is this happens a lot, Scott, with the Baltimore Ravens. I, you know, every time you think something's happening in their running game, it switches up. This is a team over the last couple of years. We've talked about Kenneth Dixon, Lorenzo Taliaferro, Buck Allen. Alex Collins himself came pretty much out of nowhere who was the guy um scotty like two years ago that was like a stud running back for them um for just like one year also that was a kind of cast off um i'm forgetting his name right now oh it was like the ravens ago yeah cast off running back he, then and, really and then he had, he popped off it was like two or three years ago and he had a big year for the Ravens I'll, I'll think about it some more um, but the, the fact remains that this is what happens with the Ravens all the time just when we're off Alex Collins there he goes back again people were starting to think about Buck Allen Buck Allen defecates the mattress only one carry for one yard three catches but a combined less than 20 scrimmage yards yeah yeah he's, he's just not not doing a lot of, unless he gets gets goal line touches, he's really not worthy of anything. Yeah, absolutely. Let's go on the other side of things. On the other side of things here, these Tennessee Titans. Let me ask Justin you something. Forsett? Is this something? That's the one. Justin Forsett was another one of things. Right, Scott? Wasn't he kind of the same vein? Like he was he was a, a retread. He had had a lot of opportunities in the in the NFL, and then he had one year with the Ravens where he does it. It's like the Ravens running yeah. back situation he has was been a, he like was that a, for a long time. He was, a, he was like a second round pick after that year. Yeah, but I mean, he assumed that role after being kind of like on other people's rosters and depth charts, you know, and that's what the Ravens have been doing ever since like uh, Jamal Lewis, right? Yeah, pretty much, although uh, Collins' tale is a little bit different. Uh, you know, he never really got a chance in Seattle, in Seattle. Uh, because of the fumble problems, and he never really played a lot for them at all, whereas Forsett was a little bit more traveled when he, when he came to the Ravens and was traveled afterwards. Yeah, he, he but was, he, 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 he was, had like he was that like, one year. He was like the case. He was like the case Keaton of running backs. Sure, sure. Yeah. But you know, to my point, though, this is not like you know these are not blue chip guys. It seems like the Ravens have a history of kind of just like churning people from other places in the NFL, you know, and 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 making it kind of work for them. Yeah, you know they they're trying to do that with John Brown, who was quiet yesterday and is starting right. to slip. And uh, Crabtree had a very good game, but, you know, Crabtree's like, you know, I hate to use the Jag thing, but he's a Jag. Yeah. He's five for 50 every week. And that's the thing. Well, that, you know, that Jag term, I think that might be what I'm trying to get at with the Ravens running backs. Exactly, right? Like, they just take all these Jags from all over the place and see if they can, like, squeeze any juice out of the orange, whether it's Forsett or now Collins or Buck Allen or some of these guys. It's been a long kind of revolving door, I would say, for the last decade of guys in that kind of vein with the Baltimore Ravens. But I digress. Scotty, let me ask you this. The Ravens are 4-2. The Bengals are 4-2. The Steelers are 3-2-1. The Browns are 2-3-1, but people still have some excitement and energy about them. Who's going to win the AFC North? Who's going to win the AFC North? Yeah, uh, the Bengals and the Ravens are four and two. The Steelers are a half game behind, and they're getting their All Pro running back back. Um, who's going to win the AFC North? I think the Bengals are. I, 
Really? I, I, I don't know. They won't win a playoff game, but I think they'll still win the division. Uh, you know, I, their defense is up and down, more down than up. Uh, I don't think Baltimore has enough. I, th- I think the Ravens and the Steelers are almost like mirror images of each other, and that game yeah. could have went either way. Uh, I, I, I think... I think since Cincinnati probably uh, probably is the division winner there, but I don't feel ve- I mean this- I don't feel very confident in predicting it though. Yeah, I think that's an interesting poll. I think I have found my poll for fantasy freestyle tomorrow night because I can understand. You know, you say Cincy. I can understand that. If someone were telling me that they think the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to win this division at like a half game back, right? The leaders are four and two. Pittsburgh's at three, uh, three, two and one. I can understand that. If someone wants to make the case that the Baltimore Ravens could win this division on the strength of what may be one of the most stable and solid defenses in the NFL. I could believe that, and I wouldn't personally believe in the Browns, but if someone wants to be really high on Baker Mania, go right ahead. I think there's a case that can be made for almost every team in this division, and you can't say that for any other division. Maybe the NFC North you can say that with, with you know three teams potentially, um, but this may be the most competitive division in the NFL moving forward, huh? It, it very well could be. You know, it's it's... Competitive, it's competitive in a different way than, say, the NF- yeah. NFC East. Yeah. Right. Like, here's the thing. Here's what I'll say. And you mentioned that when you said, like, oh, the Bengals-Steelers game or the Ravens-Steelers game. Right now, honestly, honestly, Scott, any AFC North team right now facing any other AFC North team in any stadium right now, I can make a case for either team to win their game. Even if it's like the division leaders right now, the Bengals, versus the last place team in the division, the Browns, I can make a case that the Browns beat the Bengals on a given Sunday. Yeah, you know, you get your upsets. I mean, look at Buffalo and Minnesota a few weeks ago. Uh, But, I mean, that's how tight this division is. Yeah, in that particular particular division, uh, you can make a case. uh, Cleveland could beat Pittsburgh. It, it right. Yeah, I mean, they tied them already. We saw that, <laughs> you yeah. know? that That's what I'm saying, and it could be interesting. That tie for both the Steelers and the Browns are going to be maybe interesting, and the Steelers having a tie in the AFC may complicate the playoff picture on one level or another if they get there. Remember, Scotty's now saying that the Steel, I mean, the Ravens, excuse me, not even them. I get to them eventually. The Bengals are maybe like a modified division winner pick. I think I'm going to still ride with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We'll see what happens when Lev gets back. Scotty, one more game to talk about. One of the more surprising games of the season. The Dallas Cowboys are now 3-3. Three and three. The Jacksonville Jaguars are now 3-3. Three and three. The Cowboys at home, another one of them home dogs that bark in front of the home fans, Scotty. The Cowboys win 40-7. There you go. 40-7. Uh, Dak Prescott gets a win. Only 183 yards in the past game. He does get two touchdowns. Zeke Elliott does work as well. 106 yards on the ground. He gets into the end zone. And it is Cole Beasley who gets into the end zone twice for the Cowboys. Nine catches, 101 yards. Scott, here's the funny part, though. Cole Beasley, nine catches, 101 yards, and two touchdowns. Then Jeff Swaim, two catches for 21 yards. Nobody else has more than one catch for the Dallas Cowboys in this offense that put up 40 points. That's a little weird. Yeah, uh, really, they were eating, eating them up underneath on the cover three zone and uh, just picking it apart. And the Cowboys may have found something here with uh, 
with with letting Dak Prescott loose a little bit more as a scrambler and a yeah. runner, you know, that puts puts more pressure on the defense as yeah. well. And Ezekiel Elliott just proven again what I have always said. You can't be worried about a matchup with a superstar. And these guys become superstars because they shine even in the tough matchups. Yeah, you mentioned that Dak Prescott rolling out a little bit more, scrambling a little bit more. He carries the ball 11, 11 times for 82 yards and a touchdown. Scotty, I want to ask you something about these Jacksonville Jaguars. You mentioned at the top of the show that there is no dominant defense in the NFL, right? Everyone thinks that the Jaguars and the Vikings and the Ravens and all and the Bears are all these didn't dominant didn't kind the of Jaguars defenses. give up like. 40 points yep. twice last year. Yep. Right. Absolutely. And this is my point. Here's what I want to ask you about when it comes to Jacksonville. Um, Scott, you know how we've said this before, like say like the Cowboys offensive line, which was super elite and then maybe takes a step down to still be good but not be super elite. We've talked about it in the past with even like your Seahawks defense, right, which takes a step back to not be super elite but just good, right? Here's my concern for Jacksonville. If that Jacksonville defense, which quite frankly has not looked as good as it did last year, takes a step back and is not just super transformational elite and is just like really good, you know, it's just one of the top 10 defenses in the NFL, is good. My fear, and you don't have Leonard Fournette there, right? You want the Jacksonville Jaguars want to run the, want to win games by running the ball and playing defense. And if their defense takes a little hit, and if their run game without Leonard Fournette takes a little hit, then guess what they're left with, Scott? They're left with Blake Bortles, and that is not going to get it done. Blake Bortles, 15 of 26, 149 yards, one touchdown, one interception. People have been telling us, oh, my God, Blake Bortles has turned a corner. Oh, my God, Blake Bortles is playing really well. He's able to play really well when the defense and the running game are dominating and he's not being asked to do too much. He threw four picks in Kansas City last week, Scott. If they have to, because of lack of a running game or because their defense is just a little bit less, if they have to put more on Blake Bortles, I don't think he's going to be able to do it. And I think that's a big concern for the Jaguars moving forward if that's the way teams are now able to play against Jacksonville. <laughs> no breaking news here you know, about, about Blake Bortles. Uh, but everyone's you know, starting to say, hey, I love Blake. And I'm like, calm down. People say that at the end of the year, oh, did you see he's finished as a top 10 or top 11 fantasy quarterback? You don't judge by overall points, you know, because he'll have a big game, but then he'll have a stinker. You know, at last week's game, I think, was exemplary of who Blake Portals is. 400 yards and four, four interceptions. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm just saying, listen, people have been asking me about guys like, uh, you know, Dante Moncrief and Keelan Cole and Didi Westbrook and stuff. I keep telling people the Jaguars want to try to win the game by limiting and mitigating the risk that Blake Bortles presents. They want to win the game with Blake Bortles completing 10 to 15 passes. And, and, and so I am not buying in to this Jaguars offense. What are you doing moving forward, Scott, with guys like Ke uh, Keelan Cole, who had a great start to the season, but 41 yards? Yesterday, what have we got like D.D. Westbrook, 38 yards yesterday. People even worrying about Dante Moncrief. He's nowhere to be found yesterday. Um, what do you do if you have any of these Jag skill position players? You regard him as, uh, 
as wide receiver fours in the case of uh, Westbrook and Moncrief. And, and uh, you know, that's it, really. Uh, yeah. And TJ Yeldon with a bad day yesterday. And, right. you know, I'm as guilty of anybody else as saying, you know, this guy's going to be a top 10 running back going forward, you, you, you know, while Fournette is out. But then I remembered this guy was drafted in 2016 as a, a second-round pick, and they drafted Fournette because he was a disappointment. So, uh, you know, I think maybe maybe I was I, going to pump the brakes there about what I was saying about Fournette because uh, he's had the opportunity to before, and he's disappointed. You mean pump the brakes on Yeldon? Yeldon, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I agree with you, Scotty, and that's, that's kind of my larger point here, right? I'm pumping the brakes on the entire Jags offense, and I think the narrative why is because their run game is lacking because of no Leonard Fournette, and their defense just isn't as great as it was last year. And when you take both of those things, it exposes kind of what is more mediocre around there, starting with Blake Bortles. You say it all the time, Scott, like a guy who like maybe is in a timeshare and then rises to prominence and can't handle it. I'm kind of saying that with the entire Jacksonville offense because there is no Leonard Fournette and their defense just isn't what it was last year. I think this entire offense... Uh, defenses may may start to understand how to play against and be able to contain them a little bit easier. Yeah, this this, this offense, you never know where it's going to go in every given week. And they miss Fournette. Yeah, they absolutely do. Maybe they shouldn't have brought him back early, just like Dr. A said. Hey, Scotty, when we come back, our last segment, we got the phone lines open at 844-843-6879. And we'll talk about Monday Night Football, Niners and Packers. Come on right back. If you're someone that needs fantasy sports advice every day, the Fantasy Sports Radio Network has you covered. When you download the FNTSY Sports Radio Network app, you get the top fantasy advice every single day right through the weekend. Be sure to listen to our weekend warriors like College Football Today. Welcome to College Football Today. Weekend Fantasy Update. They call me the Fantasy Jesus. In this league, it is never short of exciting at ITL. And so much more. Download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app in the iTunes and Google Play Store now. And keep the best fantasy experts right in your pocket all day long and all week long. Welcome back. Fantasy Sports Today here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Dane Martinez and the King Scott Angle breaking down everything we saw in week six. We took two hours to do so. So if you download it on podcast, make sure you get and subscribe to Fantasy Sports Today and Roto Experts in the Morning from the previous hour. If you want to join the show, the number to call here in the last segment, we got time for one or two calls, is 844-843-6879. And, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, at Spittin' Speeds and at Scotty Roto X. Scotty, we mentioned a lot of these injuries that did take place yesterday, kind of within the context of the game breakdown. But I want to kind of ask you, just reel them off and see which of these are kind of the biggest one to you for thinking about for fantasy owners moving forward. Quarterbacks, listen, Ryan, Ryan Tannehill didn't play because of the shoulder. Josh Allen leaves because of the elbow injury. Even in crazy deep super flex leagues, are you worrying about Brock Osweiler or Nathan Peterman? Worried about them? Or like, uh, not worried, I guess, but are you considering them even in deep super flex leagues? Uh, Probably not Peterman. There's already reports that, uh, that the Bills may turn to Derek Anderson in their next start. 
Uh, That's so interesting. They, they recently just uh, said mm-hmm. no. And with Osweiler, I think Tannehill's probably going to get the job back here. Although uh, the fans there in South Florida, you know, they, they might have something else to say. But, you know, that means they haven't watched the, the Broncos at all in the past. Yeah, absolutely. And then, listen, Scott, we had some wide receivers that get banged up. Obviously, we will talk about that throughout the week. Obviously, uh, we'll note kind of the implications when we talk and focus in more on waivers a little bit tomorrow. But, you know, Amari Cooper gets concussed early in the game. Calvin Ridley leaves that game with an ankle. Ryan Grant leaves the game with an ankle. Out of these wide receivers, do you think there's anyone we should definitely keep our eye on more than others? Or are there any, like, quote-unquote, next men up that we should watch in the waiver wire in Oakland, in Atlanta, or in Indianapolis? Like, is this Chester Rogers' time in Indy? Yeah, as long as Hilton is out. You know, he's... he's, he's Ryan uh, Grant left as well. Three, three good games... Put together three good games here. Uh, two, two, uh, also uh, two eight reception games in a row. But uh, you know, they in in Oakland. I don't know if anybody's really going to step up there. Uh, sometimes opportunity doesn't always lead to production, and I don't right. expect it from Martavis Bryant or or Seth Roberts. You know, I I really can't see it. Okay, and then you kind of made a point about it, but I got to tell you, I got to tell you who has underperformed more than anything else the entire football season. Scott, want to take a guess? The lowest performer, in my opinion, that is worse towards expectation. What has underperformed expectations worse than the NFL more than anything else all season, Scotty? Do you know what I'm thinking of? No. It's the cart. It's the injury card. The injury card is 0-2 when you get carted off. Aaron Rodgers got carted off. It didn't matter. Then Cooper Cup gets carted off. It didn't matter. The, uh, the cart is 0-2, in my opinion, this, this, so far this year, underperforming expectations. When you see the cart, it usually means the guy is done. It wasn't the case for Aaron Rodgers week one. It wasn't the case for Cooper Cup in week, set, in week six. What's up with the cart, Scott? I don't know. I guess you you cherry pick those two, so I'm not going to mess with it. All there are there are there have been other guys who got carded off who were done. I guess that is true. I guess that is true. Earl, but Earl I, Thomas most most notable. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I, yeah. Delaney Walker as well. But um, you know what? I was listen. talking about it yesterday on Fantasy yeah. Football Rewind. You can't assume anything by the eye. Uh, yeah, that's what I'm saying about an, about about an injury. It's. Because, like you said, that's important. Two guys have got kind of carted off, and two guys have come back. I remember when Odell went out last year, and uh, you know, sitting with some other fantasy analysts, and they, they would say, "Oh, you, you can't tell it's a season ender. You can't tell." Right. And Doctor A came on and said, "That's a season ender before anybody else did." Yeah, absolutely. So we will keep our eyes on these wide receiver ankle injuries throughout the week. We'll keep our eyes on the quarterback situation in Buffalo and in Miami throughout the week. We'll keep an eye on the Rams and their wide receiver herd. You know, I mean, Cooks was back at it after being cleared from the protocol. Uh, Cup returned after what was kind of looking like a gruesome ankle injury. I will say this, though, Scott. After he returned, he didn't do that much, Cooper Cup. No, he didn't. He didn't catch a pass after he came back, but still it was good to see him. Uh, you know, they were monitoring him closely on the sidelines and wanted to be careful with him. We'll have to play wait and see for the next game. 
Yep, absolutely. All right, Scott. So now I look forward to tonight's game. Scotty, you are a ready clear with your uh, knockout pick, your best bet. You had the Seahawks. You picked the Seahawks as your survivor pick. They did, in fact, win. You had the Seahawks also minus three against Oakland, which was a win for you this this week. I mentioned your Seahawks survivor pick at four, and you're now four and two on those picks. I'm four and one going into this week. Blue it is three and two going into this week. I mentioned that because both Blewett and I, Scotty, for our survivor picks this week, picked the Green Bay Packers. So we look ahead to tonight's game. The line has moved. Scotty, the Packers are now 10-point favorites. Let's look at this game before we make a pick on this one. First things first, what do we expect out of the San Francisco run game? Do we expect Matt Breida to play and Alfred Morris to get a huge share? or what? How do you think that's going to happen, uh, San Francisco running backs tonight? Uh, I'm not expecting to see Matt Breida, but it could be a surprise. Okay. I think it'll be Morris running the ball and Kyle Yusek, uh catching passes out of the backfield. In the receiving game, uh, I, I would I would put Kendrick Bourne on your on your watch hmm. list. It seems like C.J. Beathard has a little bit of a radar for him, and uh, C.J. Beathard's had, actually had some uh, been compiling some good fantasy numbers playing catch up. I picked him up in a two quarterback league. That's interesting. Which of these tight ends do you think have a bigger game? I can see a narrative where both tight ends uh, can kind of pop off tonight. You talk about how there's no one really in San Francisco, and we know that George Kittles and Bits has a has a you know connection with C.J. Beathard. But then on the other side, you got Jimmy Graham, and there's a lot of question marks around the Packers pass catchers who are heading into this one. Which tight end do you think has a better game tonight, Scotty? Uh, that's a tough one. Uh... Jimmy Graham's overrated. He really needs a touchdown, I think, uh, you know, to you know hit that upside. Well, we've seen a, we've seen some pretty good performances from him. Uh, you know, the, 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 I, I think that Kittle probably get more targets, so I'm going to lean towards Kittle. Okay, and then I ask about Jimmy Graham maybe getting more opportunity because there are question marks got around the Green Bay wide receiver group so much so that I you know going into this week I was telling people I'm it's it, I'm concerned about you know starting Valdez Scantling who is every, everybody's darling after week five because you're gonna have to decide about Valdez Scantling you know yesterday at 12:55 p.m. before you had complete injury news on Cobb and Allison and maybe you had to go somewhere else wherever that place may have been for your roster but now what are we expecting vis-a-vis Randall Cobb vis-a-vis Geronimo Allison and vis-a-vis Marcus Valdez Scantling we know Devontae Adams will be there we know Jimmy Graham is the red zone threat. What about these other guys? Who's going to play and who do you anticipate will have a nice night tonight? It's outside of Devontae Adams. You can't make a prediction. We don't know if these guys are going to play or not. It ha- you can't predict what information is not there when these guys have to go through pregame warm-ups and they have to monitor how they see, so how they look. So right. you know, we, don't, we don't know because you know, if if Allison is out, maybe they use a Quantumus St. Brown in the slot. And it's not good for yeah. Val- Marquez Valdez-Scantling. So what I did was I just totally avoided the situation. But we didn't hear anything for sure. By Saturday, you had to make other preparations because, like I always say, when in doubt, you always go with the healthy guy. Interesting. So let me ask you this, Scott. I'm opening up my, uh, I'm opening up my FanDuel right now. You know, I'm opening up FanDuel right now for this single game kind of slate. 
you know, that's going on where I could put my my MVP and things like that. I look at, you know, I look at this game. And on FanDuel, you got Devontae Adams, who's real expensive, right? But then Geronimo Allison, Randall Cobb, and Marcus Valdez-Scantling are all within – and Jimmy Graham are all within $1,000 of each other. Allison Cobb and Graham at 11K, Valdez-Scantling at 10K. Is there an opportunity here, Scott, to last minute whenever you get this news? Because they had to hedge with these prices, right? They have to hedge with the prices. They also have Matt Breida listed as the highest running back, you know, for uh, San Francisco. Is there value here for late addition, like late entries as soon as you know? If you hear, say, Allison and Cobb are out, then you drop in Valdez Scantling. How would you play this on the kind of the single showdown slate in DFS tonight? Yeah, that's what a lot of savvy fantasy players are doing. Uh, once you find out who's active, you can make an informed decision. For for me, it's dicey more running back. Uh, I'd probably have to go with Alfred Morris or Juszczyk because the Packers are a pass-first team, and uh, that's a committee that really just offers no fantasy promise at all. Yeah, it is. Last thing I want to ask you before we get our kind of picks on the game, and we turn it over to our guys Carton and Friends, uh, Gabe Morency, the fantasy executive, Corey Parson, and, of course, the lovely, and your co-owner, Michelle Serpico, Scotty. Um, Aaron Rodgers admitted that he had a setback early last week. You know, we know that he's going to be playing through this all season long kind of thing. But when I hear that he has a setback, you know, the 49ers defensive line has a ton of first round picks with Buckner and Thomas and all them. They're going to be trying to get after him today. Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers, you feel comfortable with him in the near term or is he going to get more and more banged up? Uh, look, it's, you know, he's shown mobility still there with the knee, although he's going to be wearing a heavier brace. Can we predict if he's going to get more banged up? No, really. It's, uh, you know, if he takes it, like the inside injuries has been has been saying, though, if he takes it, he takes an awkward hit on that knee, though, he could be done. So in a two-quarterback league, you have to handcuff to Sean Kaiser, which is what I'm doing. And uh, you have to make sure that you have a quality backup for him, and that's all you can do. That is all you can do, Scotty. Let's look at the game right now. Packers are 10-point favorites. The total is 46. You already know Blewett and I are picking the Packers as our survivor pick, so we have faith on that one. I don't know if I'd lay 10 points. Question is, Scotty, would you? Uh, I would lay 10 points, yeah. You would? Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take it. Just the 49ers are just a bad team. All right, fair enough. And listen, if – Aaron Rodgers gets through this game healthy. They got a bye next week, so maybe he gets a little bit more healthy. But then they are at Los Angeles to take on the Rams. So a huge game for the Packers. And then, Scott, the total in this game is 46. You think like every other game in the NFL, there's a ton of points scored because of these uh, penalties and just the way it is this uh, this year? You're taking the over on 46? I think I'll take the over, especially with C.J. Beathard slinging and playing catch-up. Yeah, the back door could be open for that one. Some garbage time as well. Well, there you have it. That's week six. Week six will be in the books when we talk tomorrow. And we'll look at the waiver wire ad, Scotty, to get people ready for week seven and beyond. It's Dane and Scotty, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Carton and Friends is up next. Have a great day, guys.